Our readings today have much to offer, and we have a lot to consider as we move into this new calendar year. Isaiah prophesied to a people just returning from exile that the day would come when all nations would stream to their light. The prophet calls Israel to arise, shine, for light has at last dawned upon a suffering people. Ephesians proclaims the great mystery hidden for ages in God, namely that God's expansive light has dawned even for the inclusion of the Gentiles. Paul's imprisonments have made it possible for Gentiles, including leaders of the Roman Empire, to know the mystery that they too are invited to become fellow heirs with Christ Jesus. And Matthew. Matthew tells the story of the journey of the Magi to Bethlehem. Magi, who are wise men, scholars, astrologers, and Zoroastrians, from Iraq arrive to offer homage to a new king in Judea and participate in God's subversion of Herod's plan. An interesting message here. Some of the first to recognize Emmanuel were from other cultures. Epiphany is a joyous feast, and this well-worn, beloved story of the Magi is a story both full of fear and full of joy. On Epiphany, we take time to learn from this story, the story of the Magi who came to worship the infant Jesus. They are depicted as strange visitors from the East who risked a long and perilous journey to come to the Christ child. The other character in the story is, of course, King Herod, the conniving monarch who was greatly threatened by news of a new king having been born. By the way, there are many Herods, so you've got to kind of keep them all straight. Some came after this one. But this is the one who was there when Jesus was born. There was a Time magazine article. It was way back in 2004. Now, for me, that sounds like just yesterday, but for some of you, I know that was ages ago. Anyway. 2004. This article took a look at the nativity in a special pre-Christmas issue. Imagine that, Time magazine. Anyway, here's what some scholars said about the event. Here's some quotes for you, quotes around the article. Matthew's wise men were a classic case of a fish out of water. Like a meaning of Iranian ayatollahs in Nebraska, quips Theodore Jennings Jr. of Chicago Theological Seminary. This impression may have been no accident, since it expressed Matthew's growing frustration at the majority of fellow Jews who dismissed his messianic claims for Jesus and may have ostracized and persecuted some of Matthew's co-believers. Thus, it was the Magi, rather than the Jews, who followed the star to Jerusalem and innocently alerted Herod. And upon finding Jesus, they responded well, and the insiders didn't says Donald, Father Daniel, excuse me, Father Donald Sr., President of the Catholic Theological Union in Chicago. Indeed, the Magi are sometimes used simply as a way of expressing Christianity's openness to the far-flung and the unlikely. Quite an article coming out of time. So, here we are with our text from Matthew. Seeing the star, the Magi were wildly happy. That's actually a version of the translation. Wildly happy. Why? Biblical scholars think that these Magi, that's what Matthew calls them, by the way, Magi, not wise men or kings. He thinks they were 
Eastern astrologers, those who constantly looked at the stars. So why should these magi rejoice with a really, really big joy, as the gospel literally reads? And they came in the house, and they opened their treasures, and they worshipped the infant Jesus, the one born king of the Jews. How did these magi know, just from looking at a star, that this baby was to be a king? Remember, this is the Gospel of Matthew, not Luke. Matthew has no manger birth, no angels singing in the heavens. They weren't Jews, they were Gentiles, these magi. So they had no access to the prophetic predictions in the scripture concerning the birth of Jesus. Where did they get this exceedingly great joy? Well, I think they were joyful because they were on a journey, a search. They were joyful because looking at the baby Jesus, the Magi knew, they discerned that they were at their long-awaited destination. Presumably, many of their fellow Magi stayed home, took no journeys toward the east, refused to go off on some wild camel ride to see a baby on the basis of nothing more than a star. But these particular magi, and we don't know whether there were three or 13 or 30 of them, these particular ones, Matthew says, only that they offered the baby Jesus three kinds of gifts. That doesn't mean there were just three guys. Three kinds of gifts. And they were the sort of people who were looking for something, willing to risk the journey, brave enough to venture forth on the search. And when they got to the goal of their search, they felt joy. Aren't we all looking for something? Aren't we seeking peace, seeking light, seeking justice, seeking joy? The wise ones knew what was true and good and what was not. God spoke to them through their experiences and their dreams. They had the wisdom to disobey a dishonest and evil king. They practiced discernment, that is, the careful, thoughtful, and spiritual evaluation of circumstances. They took quite a risk going on this journey. Every trip's a risk. Even every baby is a risk, too. The birth of Jesus set a whole train of difficult, bloody events in motion. The baby that the Magi discovered was not the end of the journey, but the beginning, as Christ always tends to be for those who follow him. Note I said, for those who follow him. We don't just believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We follow him as Messiah. Christ takes us places that we would not have gone without his leading. Like the Magi, who saw his star rise in the east and followed it, we, just like them, are stargazers. We are travelers. We saw a light on the horizon, and we followed where it led, down an unfamiliar road, guided by the light of the one Matthew introduces as King of the Jews. The Magi arrived in Bethlehem bearing three gifts. Gold, that's economic wealth, frankincense, that's religious devotion, and myrrh, that's royal anointing. These are all extremely valuable items, usually reserved for presentation to royal deities, humans of divine standing. 
To give an infant, this particular trio of gifts represents the highest value of honor international dignitaries would show a being who embodied God's presence on earth. Imagine those gifts being given to a child born in a stable or a cave. Matthew introduces us to another character in this epiphany story, King Herod. There in the house under the shining star is baby Jesus, King of the Jews. Up at the palace, backed up by his soldiers, was Herod, a fake King of the Jews. Herod was put in power by the Romans. When Herod heard about the one whose star had risen in the east, the one born King of the Jews, he got very nervous. The star struck him with fear. And when Herod got fearfully nervous, somebody was going to be in great pain. First, he tried to get the Magi to give him the baby's exact location. But the Magi evaded him. Then, Herod ordered a slaughter, killing every baby in and around, in and around Bethlehem two years and under killing every baby in and around Bethlehem two years and under. Now, scholars believe that those valuable gifts given by the Magi were actually used by the Holy Family to purchase their escape to Egypt when King Herod mandated the deaths of all young male children in his cruel efforts to protect his reign as king. Interesting. Herod was really one of history's great villains. He not only murdered most of his good friends, even his beloved wife and three of his own sons, he was threatened by everybody and it was said of Herod in his own day that it was better to be his sow than his son. The pig in the royal barnyard had a better hope of survival. But Matthew says it wasn't only Herod who got nervous when the baby Jesus was born. Matthew says that Herod was ter terrified, and all Jerusalem with him. All of Jerusalem trembled, because all of Jerusalem knew how bloody Herod could be when he was anxious. Even Herod couldn't pull off a massacre of this magnitude without help. Well, we've got quite a story here. The Magi in their huge joy, and Herod in all of Jerusalem filled with murderous fear. Where do you find your place in this story? As you stand before this new infant king, are you the fearful Herod and populace of Jerusalem? Or are you the joyful Magi? I expect if we're honest, we feel a little kinship with both. Before the advent of a commanding new Lord of life. I expect we're a mixture of both joy and fear because this baby is beckoning us to go on a journey and in every trip there is fear and joy. We may be going where no one has gone before. Living in a powerful nation, we can surely identify a bit with King Herod. With all those legions of Rome behind him, Herod was still afraid afraid of a baby. And we, powerful as we are, with the large armed forces backing us up, are still a people of fear. 
And there are those who covet political power and wealth who would capitalize on those fears. Just like all Jerusalem, we are afraid, even in our power. A little country like North Korea or Yemen or elsewhere, or just people who are from different cultures and countries, make us shake in our boots just like the little baby made mighty King Herod fear. And that fear leads some of us to do terribly violent acts. So, the baby becomes a source of judgment for us. Joy, yes, but also in him we see a mirror of ourselves. When we are afraid, we are not at our best, are we? Herod's fear certainly brought out the worst in him. But that baby? That baby brought out the best in the Magi. They know. They discerned. We are also like the Magi. In fact, seeing the Magi give their gifts to Jesus and kneel in homage to him ought to remind us of ourselves. What else are we doing here if not giving to and worshiping before Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, light, love? Those Magi might actually be called the very first church, the first to bend the knee and worship Jesus. For them, the Magi, this baby, and the journey that he calls them to undertake is a source of great joy rather than merely a cause of deep fear. They were wise. They saw through Herod's deception and fear. They departed by another road for their own country. Are we willing to go on that journey with joy, to relinquish our sense of comfort and control, and go to where the star and its Lord can lead us? Can we, as the church, rise with this shining new star and rise to a new sense of adventure, forsake our cozy boundaries, and go forth following him? Most of you know my favorite well, one of my most favorite things is Star Trek. The journey to go where no one has gone before beckons. I love it when the captain says, Engage, as they start out on yet another journey. I even have a t-shirt that says, Energize, and another one with the Peanuts gang all in Star Trek stuff. The command that when they this energize is what they use when they're journeying forth to some new place, some different planet, through the transporter. Energize, engage, the willingness to venture forth. Perhaps that's a chief requirement for being a Christian, a willingness to go on a journey, a journey of faith, a journey of love, a journey of light, a journey of justice. Alas, I fear that too many of us gather here and to settle in and settle down as if church were the end of the journey with God, rather its beginning. And yes, even now, even now in this pandemic, the church is venturing out. I do not mean foolish concerts with no masks or distancing. I do not mean leading a congregation in fear to gather when that could kill them. That's not what I mean. Make no mistake. We are venturing out. We are deployed. We are no longer closed into one building. And no pandemic can stop us from worshiping, 
each in our own homes, each in our own households, each in our own places. We are spread out all over the world. We follow a living Lord. We follow a demanding Savior who leads us forward, in whose service is high adventure. So, let's follow the star. As this crazy year, 2020, ends, and 2021 arrives with its own challenges, the ability to discern is even more important. Taking time to deeply reflect on next steps and checking in with God before forging on is critical. 2,000 years ago, those traveling scholars practiced discernment and chose not to tell a corrupt leader where the Messiah was. They protected the life of one who embodied divine presence. Would Christianity exist today if the Magi had informed King Herod of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem? Well, probably. All things are possible with God. But the fact is they, paid, they played a vital role in the whole story. God is inviting us to discern, to move forward, and to follow God's light. As the calendar year turns, now is a really good time to look back mindfully and to enter the new year intentionally prepared to practice discernment. Please consider setting aside on a regular basis a time to retreat, to study, to pray, each week, each day, to practice discernment, to practice intentional living. God is inviting us to listen carefully, to attend to the wisdom of our souls and minds, to honor the realities of our bodies and hearts, and to enter the future, as Jesus himself might say, wise as serpents and innocent as doves. May God bless you as you discern how to honor God, what God has done for you, and what God is calling you and yours into in 2021. Engage. Amen. Amen.